0: You're listening to What Does the Word Say?, a series of podcasts on biblical theology produced by Grace and Glory Media. My name is Mark Roby, and I'm your host for this series. Our teacher is Dr. Richard Spencer. We're resuming our study of systematic theology today by continuing to examine soteriology, the doctrine of salvation. And more specifically, we're discussing the Ordo Salutis, or Order of Salvation, And we're in the midst of discussing conversion, that is, repentance and faith. Dr. Spencer, we've established that true saving faith boils down to trusting in Jesus Christ alone for our eternal salvation. What would you like to cover today? I want to continue the
1: discussion we were having at the end of our session last week. We made two points at the end of that session. First, that true saving faith is always a penitent and obedient faith, and second, that true saving faith includes trusting in
0: God's Word, in other words, in the Bible. Yeah, I remember your argument. You said that when a person is born again, he's able to see his own sin and unworthiness, which is why he no longer trusts in himself. As Paul wrote in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, there is no one righteous, not even one. That is why true saving faith is always a penitent faith. That's true. And in addition, since a born-again person sees that Jesus
1: Christ is worthy of worship and is the only Savior and Lord, he wants to emulate and please Christ. So his faith will be an obedient faith. Jesus himself said in John 14, verse 15, If you love me, you will obey what I command. The Reverend P.G. Matthew wrote that, quote, Faith means that we move our center from ourselves to Jesus Christ. Faith declares Jesus Christ as Lord of our life. Faith, in its essence, is committing ourselves to Christ that we may be saved, Few professing Christians today think much about
0: the fundamental confession of a Christian, which is that Jesus is Lord. We read that confession in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, where Paul wrote, quote, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And to say that Jesus is Lord is a very powerful
1: statement. We need to take it seriously and think about it. It is much easier to say that I believe in Jesus than it is to say that he is Lord. But if my faith is true, saving faith, then Jesus is my Lord. And if that is true, then as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20, You are not your own. You were bought at a price. We belong to Jesus Christ. He owns us. We have no right to think, speak, and act any way we want to. We are to obey Him immediately, exactly, and with joy, in all things, at all times. That is true faith.
0: And we need to repent daily because no one does obey perfectly. We certainly don't. But if we don't
1: even have the desire to obey, and if we don't feel the need to repent over our failure to do so, then any profession of faith that we make is a lie. As John wrote in 1 John 2, verse 4, "...the man who says, I know him," but does not do what he commands,
0: is a liar, and the truth is not in him. And, of course, to obey Jesus, we must know what it is that he commands. That's obviously true.
1: And we learn what Jesus commands in the Bible. John Murray wrote that, quote, "...to speak of knowing God and the truth that he is, apart from the word of Revelation, which is incorporated for us in the Scripture," is for us men an abstraction which has no meaning or relevance. When we are of the truth and know the truth, we discern in the inscripturated word of truth the living voice of him who is the truth, and there is no tension between our acceptance of the living God as the only true God and of
0: his word as the truth. And so we could say that to truly trust in Jesus Christ then includes trusting in the Bible. We could say that,
1: yes. In fact, theologians speak of saving faith as having two different elements or senses, general faith and special faith. Louis Burkhoff speaks about both of these in his systematic theology. Now, as is often the case with theologians, he uses the Latin phrases, uh, fides generalis, meaning general faith, and fides specialis, meaning special faith. He wrote that by general faith, quote, is meant saving faith in the more general sense of the Word. Its object is the whole divine revelation as contained
0: in the Word of God. Which, as we noted in our last session, makes sense, since it's only in the Word of God that we learn about Jesus Christ and His redeeming work. It would make no sense to say that I trust in Jesus Christ if I don't trust the only infallible source I have for knowing Christ. I'm glad you added the word
1: infallible to your statement. I'm sure you did that because we do also have a personal, subjective knowledge of Christ. But because our subjective knowledge can be so easily wrong, it must always come under the authority of God's word. So, for example, if my subjective sense of Jesus tells me that he is so loving that he would never send anyone to hell, I have a problem.
0: Yeah, because we read in Matthew chapter 7, verse 23, that Jesus himself said that he will tell the wicked, I never knew you, away from me, you evildoers. And in the context of that statement, it's clear that it means he will send them to hell. He also
1: said in Matthew 25, verse 46, that the wicked, quote, will go away to eternal punishment, unquote. So our only infallible source of knowledge about Jesus is the word of God, as you said. And the Word of God, or the Bible, is, as I said a moment ago, also the only place where we find the commands of Jesus. I also like the definition that John Murray gives for faith in the general sense. What does he say? He wrote that fides generalis is simply faith in the truth of the Christian religion. More specifically stated, it is faith of the truth revealed in the Holy Scripture. More pointedly, it is the faith that Holy Scripture is the Word of God. It is our full persuasion and assurance of the infallible truth and divine authority
0: of Scripture as the Word of God. I like his saying, it's our full persuasion and assurance of the infallible truth and divine authority of God's Word. So do I. Our salvation rests on the solid rock of God and His Word, not on our subjective ideas about God. Well, very well. So we have Berkhoff's and Murray's definitions of faith in the general sense. What is the definition of faith in the special sense? Well, Berkhoff wrote that
1: special faith, quote, is saving faith in the more limited sense of the word. While true faith in the Bible as the word of God is absolutely necessary, that is not yet the specific act of faith which justifies and therefore saves directly. The object of special faith, then, is Jesus Christ and the promise of salvation through him, Unquote. He also wrote that, quote, Strictly speaking, it is not the act of faith as such, but rather that which is received by faith, which justifies and therefore
0: saves the sinner. Now, that's an interesting statement. I assume he means to guard against the wrong idea, which we discussed in an earlier session, that faith is somehow a valuable entity in and of itself, independent of its object. I think that's
1: exactly what he's guarding against. True, saving faith must have Jesus Christ as its object. As we read in Acts 4, verse 12, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we
0: must be saved. In addition to saying that it isn't the act of faith that saves, Berkhoff also wrote that it is that which is received by faith which justifies and therefore saves the sinner. And that's a very important distinction.
1: We often say that we are saved by grace alone through faith alone, or sometimes just that we are saved by faith alone. But if we are going to be extremely careful, it isn't faith that saves, it is Jesus Christ who saves. And we receive Christ, or we could say are united to Christ, by faith. Faith
0: is the instrument through which God unites us to Christ. You've noted before that faith has been called the instrumental cause of our salvation.
1: Yes, I said that in session 154. I also like what John Murray wrote about this. He said that, quote, Faith is not belief that we have been saved, nor belief that Christ has saved us, nor even belief that Christ died for us. It is necessary to appreciate the point of distinction. Faith is, in its essence, commitment to Christ that we may be
0: saved. That is yet another way of saying that true faith includes trust. It is a commitment to Christ.
1: It is another way of saying the same thing, yes. We have said that true saving faith has three elements, knowledge or information, mental assent, and trust or to use the Latin terms notitia, ascensus, and fiducia. The fact that true, saving faith requires trust is critically important. It's illuminating to realize that the devil himself has the first two elements of real faith. He certainly knows the content of the Bible much better than any human being does, and he also knows it's true. So he has the notitia and census, but he will not place his trust in Jesus Christ because he hates Jesus
0: Christ. It is a moral problem, not an intellectual one. Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, that, quote, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Yeah, people don't like to hear that, and I know that before I was saved, I would have objected
1: vehemently and denied that I was an enemy of God. But the Bible is clear that we all were. Anyone who denies that the God of the Bible really exists is his enemy. And the problem really is a moral one. In our unregenerate state, we hate the true and living God because he is absolutely just and holy, and he knows everything we have ever done or thought, and he is infinitely powerful to deal with us. That is terrifying and engenders hatred.
0: Jesus Christ himself said in John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, this is the verdict light has come into the world but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed and of course Jesus is the light
1: Murray also wrote quote if faith is an act of whole-souled trust we must be frank enough to acknowledge that the person dead in trespasses and sins whose mind is enmity against God, and whose characteristic attitude is one of hateful distrust, is incapable of exercising faith. Satan will not submit to God in loving trust because he hates
0: God. And sinners refuse to trust in God for the same reason. But praise God that he has chosen to grant some new hearts so that they can love him and trust in him. What else do you want to say about saving faith? Because the issue of trust is so important,
1: I want to read what Wayne Grudem has to say in his Systematic Theology. He defines saving faith as, quote, "...trust in Jesus Christ as a living person for forgiveness of sins and for eternal life with God." And he then goes on to say that, quote, "...the definition emphasizes personal trust in Christ," not just belief in facts about Christ. Because saving faith in Scripture involves this personal trust, the word trust is a better word to use in contemporary culture than the word faith or belief. The reason is that we can believe something to be true with
0: no personal commitment or dependence involved in it. Yeah, I remember you making a similar point last time when you said that the NIV translation of John chapter 14, verse 1 which uses the word trust, was better than some others which use the word believe. Because in our day and age, the word faith often does not have this element of trust included. That's true.
1: Grudem goes on to give some examples of how we use the words believe and faith today. Someone might, for example, say that they believe something to be true, and what they mean is that they aren't sure it's true. If they were sure, they would say they know it is true but to say you believe something is true in our modern usage implies less than certainty it's probable but not certain in your mind on the other hand the word trust is stronger you don't drive across a bridge without trust that it will hold you up yeah that makes good sense and grudem makes another point that i think is worth mentioning as well what's that he looks at the original greek for the famous verse john 3:16 in our bible the verse reads For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life.
0: And it's a
1: wonderful verse. It most certainly is. But Gruden points out that when our translation says that whoever believes in him shall not perish, that isn't a faithful representation of the original Greek. A more faithful translation sounds awkward in English. A literal translation would be to say that whoever believes into him shall not perish. And Grudem notes that this has, quote, the sense of trust or confidence
0: that goes into and rests in Jesus as a person. That is a subtle but important point. If I truly trust Jesus, I will entrust myself to him as my Savior and Lord for this life and the life to come. And with that, I think we're finished with what I want
1: to say about true saving faith at this time, which also finishes the topic of
0: conversion, which I hope our listeners remember is just repentance and faith together. And so the next topic in the order of salvation is justification, correct? It is, and justification is really the heart of the gospel message. All right. Well, it would seem unwise to begin a new topic today, so this looks like a good place to end. I'd like to remind our listeners that they can email their questions and comments to info at and we'll do our best to respond. You've been listening to What Does the Word Say, brought to you by Grace and Glory Media, and I'm Mark Roby. Starting with our next session, we'll begin a short break in our theology series, and we'll begin to examine some contentious current topics from a Christian perspective. And we hope you'll join us. The session you heard today is available, along with all other sessions, in the archive on our website at whatdoesthewordsay.org. We also have a free book available to you entitled Good News for All People, written by Rev. P.G. Matthew, founder and senior minister of Grace Valley Christian Center.